Hi. Welcome to the Florida Man Murders. Thanks for listening. Before we jump in, a quick note on our content. Florida Man Murders is made for adult audiences only. It's mostly a comedy podcast, but we get into some heinous stuff over here. And we also say bad words. A lot of bad words. This is a podcast about, well, murders. We advise listener discretion for graphic depictions of violence, sexual assault, pedophilia, cannibalism, and the aforementioned bad words. We cover serial killers and oftentimes describe their methods of slaying. Some of these assholes raped their victims, and in such cases we refrain from going into detail and either say the victim was raped or the victim was sexually assaulted. Either way, though, we understand this could be a trigger for some, so we just wanted to give you all a heads up. Anyway, thanks for listening, and we hope you keep coming back. And now, on with the show. You're listening to The Florida Man Murders, a true crime comedy podcast about murder, madness, mayhem, and other shady shit that goes down in the Sunshine State. Each week, your hosts, Chris, Roger, and Siege, take you on a dark, twisted journey through the bowels of the most wretched fiends and nefarious events throughout the history of Florida, and then make inane, quote-unquote, funny observations about it all, like the half-soused nitwits that they are. And now, sit back, relax, and enjoy the crazy, if you dare. serial killer or assassin psycho three names and sometimes i think it's just like a lot of people have three names but (laughs) if you put the three names together yeah it's it's it automatically sounds like a heinous as fuck yeah yeah because there's there's some guy out there right now that's like a gerard schaefer who's just like no no it's not me you have to throw that john in there yeah i'm I'm just gerard schaefer that's it yeah (laughs) So this guy is John, Gerard John Schaefer Jr. Because there is a Gerard John oh Schaefer Sr. Who was his father. Like, yeah. um, but Gerard, Gerard John Schaefer Jr. Uh, was born in Nina, Wisconsin on March 26, 1946. Mm-hmm. Uh, now Gerard was the oldest of three children of, of Gerard and Doris Schaefer. This had been the second big move for the family as they also lived in Georgia for a little time before that. So, uh, Gerard Sr., the dad, he, was, he wasn't he was around much. You know, his job kept him traveling around. Uh, but when he could, he would take Gerard Jr. hunting and fishing. He recalls that uh, Jr. was a, quote, beautiful shot. Uh, and though he wished he would he could have spent more time with the, uh, the children growing up, he felt like he received a normal education and upbringing. Now, growing up, Schaefer, Gerard Schaefer, uh, had a strained relationship with his dad and would often get in trouble as a teenager. He also had a strained relationship with his mom. Uh, Once, after they had a very heated argument uh, with his mother, Schaefer wrote her a note that read, quote, You need to quit picking on me, or one of these days, something bad is going to happen to you. (laughs) Okay. What a shit. Yeah. Foreshadowing. (laughs) So, So his mother took this note, uh, to the Broward County Sheriff's Department, but the cops there failed to follow up or take the note seriously. 
So we that's don't kind need- of a, yeah, yeah. That's kind of weird. Like <laughs> I bring my son's note to the cops, and like, hey, he's gonna like my son's crazy. He's there's got to be a whole nother <laughs> level to that. If like, see, normally you would think like a mother and their son threatening them. Okay, that's just normal teenage yeah. stuff. But if mom is bringing the kids' notes yeah. to the cops, right? Yeah, <laughs> and then the cops <laughs> that's next give level. No fucks. <laughs> they just like fuck this whole family and they toss the note. Ah, yeah. something bad's gonna happen to her, and then they throw it away and they don't they don't follow up, which is par for the course for cops, I guess. Yeah. 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 Pretty much. Um, so anyway, a neighbor friend of his uh, named Peter Maddock recalled that Schaefer uh, was, uh, quote, preoccupied with girls. Uh, Maddock stated, quote, when we were playing baseball, Gerard was with a girl. He was never involved in athletics. The girls seemed to get in the way of his playing sports. He seemed older, a little bit more mature and experienced and was able to buy booze without trouble. He had the context, I guessed. Uh, but he really liked the girls, and I don't recall that he had any one steady girl. I remember once he kept a bunch of us enthralled most uh, of the night talking about his adventures with girls. We were all young and inexperienced and very interested. This guy <clears throat> already reminds me of me. <laughs> and I'm starting to get a little bit scared. <laughs> um, but here's the difference with, with the guys in his, his life as a young man were like, oh, this guy, all he talked about was how he hooked up with girls. But the girls in his life had uh, different ideas about this dude. <laughs> um, uh, most of the male classmates... Uh, closer to his age, didn't think much of Schaefer, and they said he was mostly quiet and forgettable, um, but his female classmates felt otherwise. One female classmate named Eloise Lofman said, quote, he was kind of weird. That's all I could say about him. He was kind of out of it. Never part of the group. He was the last boy I would ever have dated. I didn't like him. I don't know why. He was just weird. That's all. Starting to feel a little bit better about myself. So. Um, another female student, Barbara Krolik, remembers Schaefer as, quote, never the kind of person I wanted to know. I can't remember him being friends with any of the guys. He was always on the outside looking in. As a matter of fact, uh, the only thing I really remember is that I always had to tuck my shirt and my skirt under my legs because Schaefer would always practically stand on his head to look up a girl's skirt. Jesus. All right. Well, we're already seeing the the tell the telltales here, right? Like the weird incel, yeah, weird weirdo that got girls it. want nothing to do with, and he gets all worked up about it. And I like that the guy has to stand on his head to try to look up a girl's skirt. <laughs> like that was his yeah. move. Yeah. To uh, to get a peek. Yeah. Yo, check out my athletic acumen <laughs> as I stare yeah. at your. Um, Donna Waldron yet another female classmate said all she remembered of Schaefer was that he wanted to be a forest ranger great things always happen in the woods (laughs) I I, I dated somebody and her dad was a forest ranger and he was a super dorky guy like it's a real dorky profession like there's no yeah the hat and the shorts it's just just not shorts yeah it's not good yeah Um, But with that, he wanted to be a forest ranger, yet uh, Schaefer was known to be cruel to animals. They always go that route. Like, the minute you see that, send him to jail. The the cruelty to animals? (laughs) Even 
Yeah, yeah. The cruelty to am- animals thing is like a big thing for the weirdos. Let me find the thing that could least possibly hurt me, and then let me just like <laughs> yeah, <murder>. exactly. Yeah, <laughs> it's a, it's like total control thing. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, so yeah, he was cruel to animals. He also liked to cross dress. Um, he was caught. Also caught. Found a similarity. We're <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> back in again. Oh, man. Yeah. I mean, I mean, guys. We've realigned ourselves with the guy's bio. Yeah. Uh, so, we yeah, he, he liked guy. to cross-dress. Um, and he was also caught several times sniffing women's underwear and a couple of times got in trouble for being a peeping Tom. Um, wow. <laughs> this guy's all over the place, man. It's a renaissance man. Renaissance man, this guy. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> Means good at a little bit <laughs> yeah. of everything. Yeah. Yeah. Expand yourself, man. You Jack know? of all trades. Yeah. Um, yeah. Once he was caught peeping in a window of a neighbor's uh, house, uh, the daughter of that of person of the family of the house was named uh, Lee Hainline, and this is important because this is going to be a name that's going to pop up again later. All right. Uh, so from an early age, Schaefer had uh, numerous sexual hangups. Uh, experiments with bondage and sadomasochism began around the age of 12. He would tie himself up to trees. He would get excited sexually and do things to hurt himself. All right. Do we have any information about whether he tied himself face first to the tree or ass? Yeah. <laughs> this is important. This is an important detail. Yeah. I, I would imagine yeah. back yeah. back to the tree so he could jerk off because that, that's, what, that's huh. what the book said. He would tie himself up and then see it dry hump the tree. to the tree so he could hump it. Which is a whole other thing. So he's tying himself to the tree to jerk off? Yeah, he's tying himself to the tree and then like torturing himself or, or maybe like maybe uh, hanging, like choking himself off with the ropes. Um, yeah, all right, and then right. whacking off. And I don't know if this was in a public square or if this was in their backyard. There's no specifics on what tree he was using to do this. Um, I mean, just the, the logistics of it's, that. It's, it's, it's mean, really, just, it takes just, a lot. Yeah, it's, it takes a lot of work. Yeah. The, the front you gotta yard. Figure it out. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm trying, I'm trying to figure out where I'm trying to think of spots in Fort Lauderdale, like present day, like where. And now you gotta be. drive around and just look at trees. Like, I wonder if that's the tree. I'm just gonna be up and down, like yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's the Schaefer Jerkoff tree. I found it. So, in 1966, uh, he joined a group that called itself the Moral Rearmament. The Moral Rearmament. Um, The Moral Rearmament was a religious movement started in the 1930s. And their slogan was, Up with People. And they... Oh, my God. Wasn't that a (laughs) Super Bowl halftime show? Was it? (laughs) I think it was um, in like the 80s. Yeah, they've been around. They've really? been around. Up with people. <laughs> oh, yeah. Man. Up with people. They, they're very patriotic. Um, they would, they would, uh, yeah, I'm going to look it up right now. <laughs> their slogan, yeah, the moral rearmament. Their slogan was Up with People. Yeah, they, Up with People Super Bowl is the fourth. Uh, <laughs> Holy shit. I, nice item catch. on the drop down. <laughs> nice catch. Super Bowl 16. Dude, big time catch. Nice catch. When did Up With People perform at the Super Bowl? In 1980, the vocal oh troupe God. Up With People performed at the Super Bowl as the first popular group. 
They what? went on to perform what? at several games. They're the first oh group. They're, like, they're the pioneers. Like that. They're the reason why we had Prince and Bruce Springsteen and all these fucking acts. Dude, there would have been no Purple Rain in, in the rain if not for up, up with the, the fucking moral rear remit. Rear remit. Moral, moral. You're never, you're uh, never going to get that. Them. How terrible. How how terrible were Super Bowls? Yeah, then? seriously. Seriously, the halftime shows were probably pretty Good fucking Lord. terrible. Well, oh my up God. Up until 86. This is crazy. Like this 86, they were in the Marino Super no, Bowl. No, that, that was uh, 84, right? Uh, 86 was the Giants-Washington you said, football you said team, 80, I think. Didn't you say between 80 and 86 they were doing oh, five Oh, yeah, times? but not 84. So we're lucky. Oh, we lost the Super Bowl. So, so maybe yeah, we're not we lucky. Maybe that's what we lost. In our we, corner. Have, we, were, we needed a religious we're cult. We're not up with people. Holy shit. So this... What the fuck? This goes so deep. So, it's crazy. So this fucking heinous... <laughs> Follow the money of up with people. This group also coined the phrase, freedom isn't free. Um, they, had, they had a song called Freedom Isn't Free. And it was the first time it really became popular. Uh, this is during... Um, there's a hefty fucking fee. <laughs> uh, so they're super, super patriotic. Um, and they often tour the South to perform their songs because that's where you do that kind of shit. In the South. You don't say. <laughs> so while... Uh, yeah. While somehow they weren't performing, at, at, you know, CBGBs <laughs> right, right. down the down the Bowery <laughs> or on the Sunset Strip. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Strangely, uh, Gerard Schaefer was a part of the uh, moral rearmament. Uh, he met a woman there named Martha Fogg. Uh, I love the names. Nice, nice, cool. The names nice. are always so great. <laughs> Every time you get into this shit and you talk about Florida man stuff. The associated Martha names Fogg. are always wonderful. They're always wonderful. It's like it you know they're all made yeah. up. It sounds so Nobody made up. Nobody down here uses yeah. their real names. <laughs> yeah, so, so Martha Fogg was a singer with the group. Uh, and it was like a group within the group called Sing Out 66, um, mm. which was described mm. as a patriotic Yankee Doodle Dandy musical group that sings about the message of God, country, and clean-cut youth. Man, uh, oh. so, right, this, that was the worst possible group <laughs> <Yeah>. ever. <laughs> oh man, God, country and clean cut youth. It's like clean cut uh, youth, man. Uh, Jesus, five Super Bowls. <laughs> so Schaefer eventually married this Martha Fogg lady, and um, it lasted two years. The uh, the marriage because Martha would have filed for the divorce. Citing quote extreme cruelty, um, but then, <laughs> but then Schaefer would yeah, go ahead and get married again to a second woman, who we'll get into later. Um, <clears throat> now Schaefer received his bachelor's degree at uh, FAU in 1971, and then he and then he went to uh, <laughs> police academy. Hold on, what? Do we know what he studied? I mean, it's got to be some weird <laughs> shit, right? Like, it's got to be taxidermy. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, entomology. He, he started. He studied to um, to be a a, prof- a a priest and then a professor. None of those things worked out. So then he went to the police academy in Broward County College. So yeah, sounds about right. So, yeah, that's he went. The, the pattern is priest. No, uh, professor, yeah. priest, cop. Um, yeah. 
so yeah, he went. I can't, I can't fuck him, so I'll put him in jail. Right. Uh, of course, so yeah, it's he went Broward to County 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 Broward Community College, uh, the good old yeah. BCC. Um, BCC. Now at this oh, at the at the academy, Schaefer had a reputation for being uh, very smart, but he was also smug and very unlikable. Um, he was, and this is a pattern that we're going to see almost with all our serial killers on the show, a huge gaping asshole. He's just a, an asshole. Um, just a good example. Yeah. <clears throat> he was always known for always starting arguments with his fellow students, uh, constantly disrupting classes and, and antagonizing the instructors and starting debates with them and just generally being a nuisance and acting like a weirdo. So he's just... A fucking douchebag. He's like that guy who just knows everything in class. Everyone knows this guy. Mm-hmm. And he just mm-hmm. starts to debate the teacher just for the sake of hearing his own voice. That's the kind of guy he was. Um, yeah. I know, some, <laughs> I know some, of those pe- some of those people on, I know some of those people on Twitter. So <laughs> exactly. Like, uh, he was, yeah. he was Twitter before new, Twitter. Exactly. Half of them are in the was, new heat yeah, Twitter. Like, well actually people <laughs> just murdered people in, in the past, but now there's Twitter. So you can, yeah, like, it's, you can vent, but yeah, he's, you can, you can siphon him. Most of them want Yurtsman and Bam play at the same time. Yes. That's George Schaefer in class. Um, so then he applied to the Broward County Sheriff's Office. Um, but he was turned down after failing a psychological test. Um, undeterred, however, he applied wow. to the Wilton Manors Police Department. And he was hired right away. <clears throat> um, mm. This was before Wilton Manors <laughs> no. was the, the big uh, LGBT hub that it is today. So one month uh, into the job as a Wilton Manors cop, uh, Schaefer was disciplined for running a female traffic violators through the department's computer. He like pull over women, get their information. Oh, here we like, like here's where the real asshole bread and butter is going to come. Like you just know he's a yeah. fucking cop now. So you know you give this, he's going to do some horrible yeah, shit to women and it's coming up now. Here you we go. You give this guy yeah. a little bit of yeah. power and like the freedom to find whatever mm-hmm. info he he's wants a on you. Yeah. Yeah. To stop, stop yeah. women in the middle of the night on a lonely road. Yeah fucking horrible shit here we he's, go he's a douchebag with a bag and you know yeah uh, so he would yeah he would pull them over he'd, he'd give them tickets he would do that just to obtain their personal information and then later on you go back to the police station he would call them and ask them on dates um uh obviously nice. nobody ever accepted uh, an offer to go on a date for him with him uh, <laughs> strangely yeah strangely yeah Hey, so you know earlier I pulled you over, had you against the right. car, felt you up, took your license and all your other information. Uh, you want to go? Uh, <laughs> want to go to Macaroni Factory? So uh, he was sort of disciplined for that. So uh, during his uh, probationary period with the Wild Manners PD, uh, PD Schaefer uh, detained an intoxicated man that he saw on the street. Officer Schaefer drove the drunk man to a bridge. And hanged him off the bridge by his ankle. Oh man! <clears throat> yeah. Oh. Uh, so when when Mel- the Wilton Manors police chief found out about this, he fired Schaefer immediately. Man, you know it's all that tr- all that tree training that he did. He did all that that tree. He did the fucking montage, the hard work, all that tree training in the forest. 
Like, <laughs> these guys don't do this shit overnight. They learn it. It's a learned craft right. of psychosis. Can I, can I just say something? What kind of level of scrutiny does the Wilton Manors Police Department have if all this was like during his pro- pro- uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. right away <laughs> immediately yeah yeah no, he, he he's, wasting and, and, he's hanging and, dudes off bridges yeah. like he has a history of pulling <laughs> he's got a history of pulling yeah. over women getting their information calling yeah. them up asking them on dates and then what Chris <laughs> said uh, he was disciplined <laughs> a little bit for that and it took him like hanging a drunk yeah. guy off of the side yeah. of the bridge it's... to be like, okay, right? Like har- harassing women, yeah. uh, we don't, we don't, we frown upon you harassing the ladies. But hanging a guy off the bridge, well, that's where we draw the line. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, we just can't have it. Yeah, do all you want to the women yeah. folk. <laughs> leave right. our, leave our yeah. drunk men alone. Right, a drunk man hanged off the bridge. That's just that's a bridge too far. No pun intended. <laughs> um, <laughs> so yeah, that, he was he was fired after that, um, and that was that. Uh, oh, yeah, that's <laughs> I, I'm actually kind of shocked. Like, like, yeah, this is, I thought it would have just felt this, a little. This was a little that slap. was too much. That was too much. So he was fired yeah. from Will Manners. Take the weekend off, <laughs> Schaefer. <laughs> See you on Monday. Paid, paid time off. Yeah, um, yeah. That here you go. But. It turns out that hanging a dude off a bridge by his ankles did not end Schaefer's career as a police officer. Uh, Several months after this, the Martin County Sheriff's Department hired Schaefer as a sheriff's deputy. (laughs) Man, man. So he got did he get promoted? (laughs) Yeah, he seems to be in a place where he has more power. He's a sheriff's deputy now. Uh, Um, So yeah, Uh, man. Talk about fucking. Failing upwards there. So yeah. <laughs> Martin County Sheriff uh, Robert Crowder, uh, he was concerned with the upcoming election and wanted to keep his job. So one of the platforms he maintained was to, uh, quote, slash the long working hours of his deputies by increasing the manpower of the department. Uh, the department began to accept applications for more deputies, and Schaefer is one of the, uh, the very first to apply. That's how I got the job. Um, He was hired by Crowder personally, and this is what Crowder had to say. Quote, he was a clean-cut man with a college degree who who had already been certified by the Florida Police Standards Board. He had a polite demeanor. He was intelligent and personable, not at all like a person who might become overly aggressive in performing his duties. He already had his police training and was ready to go to work that day. We made a police officer check on him, and his record came back clean. We needed him, so I hired him. <laughs> okay. Stop right there. He's he's one of the first guys to apply. Yes. We needed him. He's ready to start right away. Right. The fucking the qualifications here are completely <laughs> stupid. Like anybody. Like we just needed a guy. Didn't matter who it was. Murderer. Right. Fucking fiend, clown, who cares? Put him in a uniform. In this moment right here, in this moment right here, I swear to God, I think this is probably the highest I've ever thought of. <laughs> right. like, well, and, and it says that he, he made a, a records check and it came back clean. Um, I don't know how true that is, but that's what this sheriff claims. Um, yeah. And his last thing was, we needed men, so I hired him. And that was that. Yeah. Um, Incredible. So for a whole year, Schaefer patrolled the streets of Martin County. 
Uh, he often drove his patrol car in and out of Hutchinson Island, which is a state park on the edge of the county border. Um, he likes those parks. Yeah, he does. And if you he do a Google parks. image of it, Hutchin, Hutchinson Island, at least back then, now it's a little more like state parky, but back then it was really creepy, just woods. D- mm. Yeah, exactly. It was, it was old Florida. And mangrove, it was right. all trees and mangroves and, and like, so he, yeah. <laughs> it wasn't right. high-rise condos <laughs> and whatever yeah. else. So, you know? so in July of 1972, uh, while patrolling the streets of Martin County, Officer Schaefer spotted 17-year-old Nancy Trotter and 18-year-old Paula Sue Wells hitchhiking along A1A. <clears throat> uh, Schaefer pulled up beside them and began to question them. Quote, you girls know it's illegal to hitchhike, right? He asked, even though it was not illegal to hitchhike. Yeah, was it illegal back then? No. Because people hitchhiked all exactly. the time. Exactly. This was the big hitchhiking <coughs> era of the, of the early 70s. Yeah, this is the boom, boom right. town for, uh, <laughs> for hitchhiking. <laughs> so, he, yeah, so he's like, you girls know it's illegal to do this. And, and obviously they're, they're young girls. They don't know any better. And the cops questioning them. So um, yeah. the girls admitted to him that they were hitchhiking. Uh, they didn't know that hitchhiking was illegal. And they were doing it because they were trying to get a ride to the beach. Uh, this was a normal way for them to get around town. Schaefer uh, picked up his CB radio and spoke into it, saying, I've got two girls here requesting permission to take them home. Uh, <laughs> 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 wow. Yeah, so like, like, <laughs> clearly, he didn't press the button. Just, nobody heard him yeah. say this. this is, he was just talking into the thing uh, just for the sake of talking into the thing. Um, yeah. So... So then Schaefer began lecturing the girls on the dangers of hitchhiking. He uh, also ordered the girls to get into his patrol car. And after berating the two girls, he drove them back to where they had been staying. He asked the girls if, he'd, if they'd uh, like to meet him in the morning so he can give them a ride to the beach. Um, the girls, having <laughs> no other form of transportation and feeling confident having befriended the Good Samaritan cop, agreed, sure, come pick us up tomorrow morning. Uh, they would meet the following morning which was a Saturday, at the Bandshell on East Ocean Boulevard. If any of our listeners know where that is, I don't know, send, tweet us a photo. Um, yeah. So the girls thanked him for the ride home and waved goodbye. And they felt good about not having to hitchhike to the beach the next day. So the following morning, Schaefer showed up, uh, and, they, and they met up, and he sternly lectured them again on the dangers of hitchhiking. Then he offered to take them to the beach. Um... But instead, Schaefer drove the two girls. He had a real, he had a real bee in his body about this whole hitchhiking thing, huh? Like the whole night, he was fucking thinking he about not it. Shut the fuck yeah, up about it. Like, like, yeah, you told us last night. Like, we got how many it. times? Like, how, thanks for the ride. Many, you don't know the kind of people you can deal with. Exactly. And how many ways? How many ways is, you need can you to be say careful. hitchhiking is dangerous? Like, how can you? You keep saying it. There's only so many ways you can say that hitchhiking is dangerous. Yeah, yeah. But each yeah, kept, you just say it. it like a couple times. Yeah, I'm like, That's we got it. it. Yeah. Listen to me. <laughs> Listen to me. It's you dangerous. Of people you meet. Yeah. Um, oh, my so God. So they got in the car with him. <laughs> oh, and by the way, he showed up in, in, a, in a regular car, not his patrol car. And he was wearing plain <laughs> person's clothes and he said he was working undercover that day. So that's the murder car. Yeah. That's the murder so, car for sure. So the girls are like, "Oh, okay, he's, he's oh, undercover. Yeah. That's fine." Undercover wearing <laughs> clothes. 
So they, they jumped into his car and he drove them. Instead of driving him to the beach, he drove him to Hutchinson Island Park. And again, he kept lecturing to them about how hitchhiking could lead them to being, quote, well, here's the thing. He said, quote, hitchhiking could lead to them being sold into white slavery. That, that was, that was oh, his man so most of what the stories come from the source of the story is from a book called american ripper uh by patrick kendrick and this is from that book uh quote from one of the girls uh he picked us up between 9 15 and 9 30 but he was in plain clothes and in his own car nancy would later relate he told us they switched him to the plain clothes cop today and that on those days he would just does observations he started driving towards jensen beach and he asked us if he wanted to see an old Spanish fort that was on the river. We said, okay. Um, so Schaefer stopped his car close to a dilapidated shed deep inside the forest. Once there, once there, he walked into the wooded area where he gagged the girls and tied them to a tree. Um, again, from Kendrick's book, he took Sue out in a field. He had, he had a blanket... Which, he'd, uh, which the girl had brought to lie on the beach, and he put it on the ground, and he made one of the girls sit on it, and he tied her legs together. And then he made another loop around the shoulders so that she was tied hand and foot, and she was, like, handcuffed and gagged. Um, he handcuffed her, and then he gagged her. Um, she said, I was scared then. I could, I could have run, run away, but I couldn't because he had Sue there. Go ahead and try to get away, he told her. I'll have Nancy, and if you get away, I'll kill her. Then I'll come and I'll kill you. Shit, man! This guy like escalated quickly. Yeah, from yeah he went from hanging, o- yeah. hanging some drunk guy over a bridge right. to like fu- he went full on girls to trees and shit. So yeah, and threatening. Hell, escalating quickly just from being so damn angry about hitchhiking. Yeah, yeah. So he tied uh, Susan by her legs just below her knees and bound a noose around her neck, which, which he affixed to a branch in such a manner as to force her to stand up on exposed roots to counter the pressure from the noose. So which meant she had to stay perfectly still. If she slipped off the branch or moved in any way, she'd, she'd hang. Like the rope would just snap her neck. So... She was being held by the noose around her neck, and she couldn't move, or else she'd fucking die. Um, he then tied Nancy in a similar manner, and she was also forced to stand up on a narrow, exposed tree root. Um, once they were both tied, Schaefer informed them that he was going to rape and murder them. Schaefer again began lecturing them on the dangers of hitchhiking. Um, however, and... <laughs> <laughs> shut the oh fuck God. up about the fucking there's yeah. more important yeah. fucking things to deal with right now you know this oh my God. <laughs> this fucking guy really hates it so like, in, the, in the middle of this angry diatribe and then essentially he is the hitchhike picker upper like yeah exactly he's like yeah, do you see what could happen you, you see um, yeah so in the middle of his angry speech, fucking... he received a dispatch, a dispatch call from his uh, police radio, the one that he carried in his car. Um, he turned to the girls and he said, I got to go, but don't try to run away because uh, I'm not going to be very far down the road. He then rushed off and went to answer the call of a disturbance, leaving Nancy and Sue there tied and gagged in the middle of the woods. 
Oh my god. Terrifying. After a few minutes of struggling to get free, Nancy was able to undo her ropes and she freed herself. Then she untied Sue and the both of them uh, escaped. Two hours later, Schaefer came back to the woods to find the girls had gone. <clears throat> so he started to freak out. Panicking. Holy shit. So he figured out the only way out of this mess was to confess to his bosses what he had done. And to tell them he was only, he was only <laughs> trying to teach two teenagers the valuable lesson and the dangers oh of hitchhiking. <laughs> Here we go. Here we go. Wow. Did he get a Dude, fucking medal of honor? Really... Did the Martin County <laughs> Sheriff promote him to fucking captain <laughs> after this? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's like the smoky bear Dang. of hitchhiking. He's the mascot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not hitchhiking. Um, uh, if smoky bear was like a fucking <laughs> murderous pedophile, psycho. Yeah. yeah. Um, so he wow. called his boss the... Uh, which he is. <laughs> I mean, uh, for the, most most for the people record. don't know that. <laughs> record. Most most people don't. Hey, most people don't know that. But, uh, that's the truth. I can't wait. Yeah, for that's, that. that's, uh, that's yeah, that's that's season nine. <laughs> that, that one's a sick episode thirty six. <laughs> Smokey the Bear was a sick fuck. Let me tell you. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh, he's oh he spent some time in Florida. <laughs> trust me, buddy. He spent some time in Florida. At, He's Ask probably people right Barato about him. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Schaefer called his boss, Sheriff Robert Crowder, and he confessed. Uh, the confession started with him saying, "Quote: Well, I've done something very foolish. You're going to be mad at me." <laughs> um, so this guy, like, it just it just proves the me- like the. The easy mediocrity of whiteness oh, of just like like just coasting <laughs> yes. along like you guys are gonna be mad about this, but <laughs> I've been I might have done something wrong. <laughs> I might have accidentally kidnapped, almost raped, <laughs> yeah. almost killed two They're white like, girls. Oh, don't worry about it, buddy. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. Gotcha. Right. Hey, three days yeah. on the deck. Exactly. This, yeah. this guy wasted no time. <laughs> so incredible. So Crowder, I the sheriff, this. sheriff Crowder, another cop. Uh, you know, they went looking for the girls. Uh, no relation to Channing Crowder, by the <laughs> right. way. No, 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 not at all. <laughs> this is and that we know that of. you know. Of. Yeah, that we know. So That's Crowder, the cop, they went looking for the girls all up and down A one A. They found <clears> Nancy <throat> swimming on her back in a river with her hands bound behind her back. Holy fuck! Yeah. Uh, she still had the gag in her mouth, uh, but they were able to fish her out, and she was fine. And Sue was picked up by a truck driver who spotted her in the woods. Um, there's no... Die. <laughs> Wait, what was this truck driver doing in the That's, woods? It sounds shady as shit. I think he was driving, <laughs> and he just saw someone running in the woods, maybe pulled over and went to help, I guess. Unless he was in the woods. These friends His, definitely did yeah, escape. The All right, here's the deal. Yeah, the, the, like, the, were they... Were they... Were they pissed at each other? Like, hey, I think they, why is she swimming? Why is she swimming of, with her hands? I think what happened is they questions. both freaked the fuck out and just ran. They just ran. ran. Like they didn't yeah. think about going together. It's one, one, one. Well, one. maybe they weren't like right next to each other. Maybe they were out in the darkness in the middle. That's of the true. Woods, they could have separated. been a couple hundred. They have feet no right. idea where the fuck they right. are. Yeah. Maybe Nancy really wanted to <laughs> see that Spanish it? fort. Still, that's what I came for. 
Um, <laughs> there's Sue's I'm like, not, no, I'm, there, I'm not sure. I'm going swimming. I don't <laughs> exactly. See, <laughs> we don't know how the fuck she ended up in, in a creek or in the river or whatever, but her hands were tied, so she had to swim on her back. So she was basically wow. kicking her feet while she swam. Again, I don't know why she just couldn't run, but maybe she figured she, if she yeah. crossed the stream, she'd be on the other side. I don't know. There's no details I mean, of why that happened. They're probably fucking terrified. Oh, for sure. And and, and so yeah. the truck driver found the other girl, and the reality is the truck driver is Smokey the Bear. And that's – that's but that's a different story. <laughs> and, and that was the end of her. <laughs> Great first podcast. Thanks, guys. So, so <laughs> next on Smokey's Murder Trail, episode two. <laughs> Um, Sheriff Crowder returned to the station um, after, uh, after the girls had identified Schaefer as their abductor. So, Schaefer was charged with false imprisonment and aggravated assault. Uh, and of course, and of course he was... That, that's it. <laughs> no, that's he was fired, he was fired. Um, <laughs> Jaywalking. <laughs> so, Schrader uh, pleaded guilty in exchange for a shorter sentence. He would spend six months in county jail. And then he asked the judge for a bail extension, and the judge awarded him six months before turning himself in to start doing his time. So the judge was very lenient about how much time he was going to spend in jail, and then he asked for the extension, bail extension, and the judge gave him six months of freedom to, before he had to turn himself in and start doing hard, hard time in the county jail. That's, that, that, <laughs> that's six months of murdering coming up. Thanks, judge. Well... Dude. You don't know the half of it. So. It's <laughs> like, <laughs> so I got six months. <laughs> so. Here I go. In September of that year, Schaefer began attending adult education classes in Fort Lauderdale. And while there, he met Georgia Jessup and Susan Place. He introduced himself to them as Jerry Shepard from Colorado. Hmm. Um, he learned that. Gerard Schaefer, Jerry, Jerry Shepard. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Georgia, Colorado, Wisconsin. Right. Whatever. These are all just words and names. <laughs> Who knows? Um, so he learned that this girl, the first girl, Georgia, was fascinated by reincarnation and ESP, and he told her he was too. And then he learned that the type of what kind of music Susan liked, and he told her that he was into the same music too. This guy's got the guy's got incredible game. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, you like music, right? So do I. <laughs> Susan told her mother that she, uh-huh. Georgia, and Jerry were going to go to Fort Lauderdale to the beach to play guitar. Um, the girls left the house with Jerry at 8.45 that night. Four days later, when neither girl had come back home, they were reported missing by their families. Six months after this, uh, on April 1st, 1973... A father and a son were out in Hutchinson Island Park searching for discarded aluminum cans. Because that's... Well, it's, it's the early man. 70s, not much to do. Water. There's no cable, there's no streaming <laughs> services. You go out and you find yourself yeah, aluminum cans. And, and while they were doing this, they stumbled upon a very badly decomposed, headless and mutilated bodies oh, buried man. in a shallow grave. This fucking guy... There were deep scratch marks embedded in the, tr- in the base of a tree next to the gravesite, uh, close to where sections of a torso had been found um, as well. So, the location of where the remains were found 
were about six miles from where Trotter and Wells, the original girls, had been held captive prior to their escape six months uh. ago. So very, very near to where these original girls were held. <laughs> um, so both bodies had been uh, bound, and they had their spinal cords severed at the lumbar and cervical section. Several bones, Ooh. sorry, were completely severed with a knife or a machete. Their bodies had been decapitated after their death, and their jawbones had sustained numerous fractures. Again, mm. like, incredible escalation, this guy. Yeah. Like, he really, like, leaps and, like, we don't know if maybe he did some other weird shit in between the hanging the guy off the bridge to getting the girls to now, like, full-on murder and decapitation, mm. you know, slicing into them, like, Ripping bodies yeah, apart like he at like really, really <laughs> ramped it up in a fucked up way. So the Dade County Medical Examiner's Department identified the remains as that of the 17-year-old Susan Place and 16-year-old Georgia Jessup, the girls that he met at the adult classes thing. Uh, forensics revealed that the two girls had been tied to trees before being tortured, killed, and beheaded. Their jawbones had sustained numerous fractures. Susan Place had sustained a gunshot wound to her lower jaw, consistent with having been inflicted from a twenty-two caliber, caliber pistol. Sorry. So she was shot in the face by a twenty-two. Um, <clears throat> for his part, Schaefer had written a book <coughs> called Killer Fiction. Uh, the book, which was poorly written with many grammatical errors, was a series of short stories that read more like a confessional or a journal. Man. <laughs> yeah. OJ's how I did it. Uh, yeah. Schaefer had always insisted that the stories were fiction, hence the name Killer Fiction. But it was clear that what he had written was confessions on how he murdered his victims. Included in Schaefer's writings were a collection of drawings and sketches. Um, and the drawings were of women being tied to trees, sliced open, tortured, and beheaded. Just some really gruesome shit. Now, would you guys like... So wait, he'd already... He'd already written this. No, this is this is at this point. This is going to come up later, but this is this is something he wrote okay. later on. But this is ties back later to all on. this shit. I just wanted to, to okay, okay. introduce this because I want to read you an excerpt from this guy's writing. From shit. can't wait to sleep. Yeah, can't wait to sleep. <laughs> oh, good. Can't wait to sleep. It's going to be so, a great sleep. Quote: In order to remain unappre- unapprehended, the perpetrator of an execution-style murder, such as I have planned, must take precautions. One must think out well in advance a crime of this nature in order for it to work. We will need an isolated area. Accessible. He, he spells accessible accessible. A-S-S. Um, of course he would. Course accessible. He would. Fucking asshole. Um, <laughs> we will need an isolated area accessible by car and a short hike away from any p- police patrols Hold on. He already sounds like mystery, that guy, like dating guy. You know, like, <laughs> like he's trying, like he already sounds like some fucking mystery douchebag. Absolutely. Like, he's such a fucking let, douchebag. Let's, yeah, he sounds like he does magic on the side. <laughs> and shit. Like, I, I, he's such a weirdo. Go ahead. Um, the execution site yeah. must be carefully arranged for a speedy execution once the victims have arrived. Ideally, would be two horses, two sawhorses with two by four between them. A noose attached to the overhanging limb of a tree, and another rope to pull away the two-by-four, preferably by car. A grave must be prepared in advance, away from the place of execution. 
The victim would be any one of the many women who flocked to Miami and Fort Lauderdale during the winter months. Even two victims would not be difficult to dispose of, since women are less weary, less wary uh, when traveling in pairs. In any case, it may be more preferable to bind and gag the victims before transporting them to the place of execution. Then again, depending on what torture or defilement is planned for them, other than items uh, may be useful. This guy's a terrible writer. Um, he's <laughs> fucking me up. I'm trying to read this shit. He's, he's like trying to write eloquently, he's fucking but failing. he's so stupid. And he's rambling. That he's, he's failing. Yeah, yeah. Oh, God, I hate um, it. I really, really hate bars it. Bars of soap and water. These are useful if you would want to wash a woman before her execution. Oh, this fucking In, guy. Well, here we go. I mean, you want it to be <laughs> sanitary. Up. Induce her to urinate and then to wash her. Soap provides an excellent lubricant for anal intercourse. Beer is useful to induce urination and make the victim groggy and more cooperative. Soap can also be forced into the rectum to induce defecation when when the victim has no particular desire to relieve her bowels. Possibly she may want to defecate since people generally have a desire to do this when they are scared. Nylon stockings are useful to tie the hands and feet of the victim. The victim should be made to strip to at least her underwear. If stripped completely nude, an attempt can be made to excite her sexually. The effect would be especially interesting if the victim had her neck in the noose and hands tied behind her back. (laughs) You're not... You're not going to excite her sexually, well, guy. No. You're not. You're not. Like, yeah, like it, there's is, never a scenario here this is who he is with everything head. you described. Mm-hmm. Um, what a fucking shit. A white pillowcase should be placed over her head and her mouth gagged. Her panties should be pulled down enough to expose the genitals. And then he goes on to explain how you should, how you're how one would molest a female in very graphic detail, which I'm not going to get into. Um, yeah. She may be revived before death, if desirable, and subjected to further indecencies. After death has occurred, the corpse should be violated, if not violated already. The body should be possibly mutilated and carried to the grave and buried. <sighs> All identity papers should be destroyed and the place of execution dismantled. Uh, so. How many times mm. has Elon Musk read this guy's book? <laughs> oh. <laughs> this, is basic, this is basically Jesus. his entire yeah. MO. Oh, man. Uh, I fucking hate <laughs> yeah, this guy. Sh- this guy's the shittiest <laughs> shit ever. So it's evident that the murders of Georgia Jessup and Susan Place happened during uh, the six-month window where he was free on bond. Um. But as it turns out, Georgia Jessup and Susan Place would not be the only victims during this time. Um, in October 1972, Broward County residents... I blame, I blame uh, Channing Crowder's... <laughs> great-grandfather. Gra- grandfather. <laughs> yeah, Channing great, Crowder's great-grandfather. Great I don't know, great-uncle. Uh, <laughs> so in 72, Broward... Is that the same work release that uh, <laughs> Jeffrey Epstein was on? Yeah, yeah pretty right? much, yeah. Jesus, man. Uh, did we not learn that was a bad idea in uh, the 60s? So 1972, Broward <laughs> County residents, uh, 14-year-old Mary Alice uh, Briscolina and 13-year-old Elise Lena Farmer vanished. 13-year-old. 14 and 13. The two girls were last seen trying Jesus. to hitchhike Commercial Boulevard. 
uh, two. Yeah, this was oh, less than a month yeah, after Susan Place and Georgia Jessup were reported missing. It wasn't until January and February that their bodies were discovered, buried six feet, six hundred feet apart from each other at a construction site in Plantation. Both girls had been decapitated. Uh, Briscolina had been beaten across the head with one blow to her skull. Also, she had several of her fingernails torn from her hands. Investigators learned from her family that Briscolina had been wearing a gold chain and a Madonna medal, but neither were found on the body or at the scene. Uh, while authorities were combing through this murder scene, the families of 19-year-old Colette Marie Goodenough and 19-year-old Barbara Ann Wilcox were also reported missing. Like the others, the two girls disappeared while hitchhiking. Their bodies would not be discovered along the canal bank in St. Lucie County until January of 1977. Both girls had been bound, uh, like the others. The authorities were able to collect most of their remains, although the upper portion of Goodenough's skull was never found. Uh, the fact that these girls vanished when Schaefer was free were hitchhikers and were tied to trees and gagged, just as Nancy and Paula were, uh, was way too much of a coincidence for investigators. Police were able to obtain a search warrant to a home registered to Schaefer's mother's house located in southwest Fort Lauderdale. So he was living with his mom. Once inside, his mom told the cops Schaefer had his own bedroom in the house, which he often warned her never to enter. <laughs> that's an- that's yeah. another one right mom, there. Mom, <laughs> stay out of my room! Yeah, yeah. He's that, stay he's out of that my room! It's, it's only... It's only official if you made a handmade sign. This means that says, do not enter. This means you no. nailed it to the door. <laughs> Little skull and crossbones on it. Uh, so the cops, the cops went ahead and entered the bedroom. Uh, the first thing they found was Schaefer's manuscript for what would become killer fiction. Uh, as I mentioned, these stories uh, investigators found, including detailed descriptions of the kidnapping, humiliation, rape, and execution by hanging a, a, numer, a number of teenage girls and young women, whom he routinely referred to as whores, sluts, and harlots. Um, yeah, that's, that's, he got fancy. Yeah. Um, there was one story about a girl named Carmen and another unidentified woman whose hanging he describes in graphic detail. Here's another excerpt from his writings. Are oh, you guys God. ready? Here we go. <laughs> yeah, can't wait. Can't wait. Doing doubles is far more difficult than uh, doing singles. Wait, hold on. Time out. The way the way that you go into his voice, like you give him yes. this, like this, like he's he already sounds like the douchiest douchebag when you do his voice. Like his voice is so fucking like pompous. Yeah, that's who he is. He's man. such a he's such a fop. Yeah, I hate him. Do, doing yeah. doubles is far go. more Sorry. difficult than doing singles. But on the other hand, it also puts one in position to have twice as much fun. There could be some lively discussions about which of the victims will get to be killed first. Uh, that's one of the ex- another uh, one of the excerpts. Um, the writings included details on how he frequently uh, returned to the scene of his crimes, uh, weeks and even months after the actual murders happened. While at the scene, Schaefer would exhume the remains so that he could commit acts of necrophilia with his victims' uh, dismembered bodies. Aye, yeah. aye, aye. He would also extract teeth from their skulls to take back with him as trophies. But he was particularly into torturing his victims and watching them urinate 
or defecate themselves as they hanged. Along with the manuscript, authorities also found a small lockbox. They opened the box, and inside the box (laughs) they found piles of human teeth and pieces of human bones. They found the IDs of several uh, women who had been reported missing over the years, and various items that seemed to belong to women. Jewelry, clothes, purses, things like that. Um, They also found a pair of gold teeth. One of the items they found was a gold chain and a Madonna medal that belonged to Mary Alice Priscalina. Yeah. Police also found another gold locket uh, that belonged to a woman named Lee Hainline. Remember her? She was his childhood neighbor who he was peeping on. So they they found her locket in this box. He said, remember that name. That's that's her. She had vanished here. (laughs) Detective Roger. Good job, Roger, for not remembering it. Sweet art of deduction. Ah, Just just give him a couple days off. He'll be back on Monday. He'll be all right. So cops soon discovered that Hayline lived next door to Schaefer uh, when the two were teenagers and that he had once been caught peeping into her bedroom. Her skull was discovered at a construction site in Palm Beach County and it was found to have multiple bullet holes in it. And they had discovered that the identity of the person with the gold teeth had belonged to the woman named Carmen, who he had written about in his stories. Um, she was a 22-year-old cocktail waitress uh, in Broward County who had also been reported missing right around the same time as Lee Hainline. Investigators found 11 guns, several bags filled with live and spent cartridges, hunting knives, pieces of rope, softcore porn magazines, where the images were changed by Schaefer to depict urinating naked women bound with ropes and hanging from trees. I'm, I'm actually a little shocked that they had caught on to it so quickly. Well, he's pretty shitty at hiding. Like, he just had the shit in a little lockbox. And just through a quick yeah. warrant, they went in, found the shit, and they're like, oh, here we go. Like, all the evidence is here. It's total control. Uh, yeah. Cops also found Polaroids of Schaefer himself dressed in women's garments and simulating his own hanging. One of the photos showed him with fecal matter smeared across his ass. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> okay. All right. Um, that's, like the, that's like the original, would you fuck me? I'd fuck me. Um, so the more investigators piece things together, the more wow. evident they became, became that Schaefer had been abducting, torturing, and murdering young women, dating back to when he was in his early 20s. They, they were like, hold on, <laughs> hold on, everybody. Are we sure this is the guy? Because he, I mean, he, I don't you know, he, know. we needed him. He was like the third guy to interview for our job at the sheriff county, and like we needed him at the time, and he was great. He, was, you know, he was good for like a week. I mean, I know he's yeah, got a yeah. hunting knife <laughs> and gold teeth and pieces of skull, but I, yeah, 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 I don't yeah. know if this is our I mean, guy, Bobby. Uh, I mean, are you sure? <laughs> are you sure this this guy? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, shocked, uh, shocking. The killings, like how begrudgingly <laughs> did the cops walk into the? To his mom's house, and they were like, "All right, like we really don't want to do this. We <laughs> Sorry, want to let ma'am. him keep on killing. Sorry, we bother you, man. Ad nauseum. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like that. Those are the rules. Well, I don't but, know, uh, Sheriff. Right, There's a sign on the door. I don't think we should go in. There. <laughs> it says this. It said this means you in parentheses. <laughs> I think he's talking about us, Sheriff. <laughs> we got to get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's clear that these murders dated back to when he was in his early twenties. Uh, while he was a sheriff's deputy, and again, while he was free on bond. In all, it is alleged that Schaefer murdered at least 30 women that we know of. Uh, following the raid in his mom's house, Schaefer was uh, placed under arrest and charged with first-degree murder of the killings of Susan Place and Georgia Jessup. Um, Investigators were able to gather enough physical and circumstantial evidence to link Schaefer to nine murders, and unsolved uh, disappearances between 1969 and 1973. The majority of these individuals were from Florida, although two victims hailed from both Iowa and West Virginia. So there were probably girls who hitchhiked down to Florida. Schaefer's trial was held in September of 73 in St. Lucie County. uh, Schaefer pleaded not guilty to the charges. Uh, (laughs) During the trial, he acted aloof and dismissive. He, the balls on this guy. He would often turn to smile at members of the media when a witness testified on his behalf. He would just turn and smile. Um, the trial ended in October of 73, a month later. The jury deliberated for five hours before returning a, a guilty verdict. Uh, when approached by reporters, Schaefer proclaimed his innocence. When asked for a comment over the verdict, he said, quote, That's the roll of dice. I had a good defense. I'm innocent. <laughs> the, uh, the very next day... They found teeth <laughs> in your mom's house. Um, yeah, yeah. Now, during this time, there was... This was during the time the uh, Supreme Court... The Florida Supreme Court was debating over whether or not we should have um, execution for, for criminals... This happened right during the time where they just couldn't decide, so he was sentenced to two concurrent life terms instead of being uh, sent to uh, death row. Begrudgingly. <laughs> Hate to do this to you, Officer Schaefer. <laughs> two yeah. terms. Yeah, two yeah. life terms. You, you served us so well. but <laughs> Patrolling uh, Martin County all those years. The best we could do. It's two consecutive lives. So after Schaefer was uh, convicted and sentenced, his second wife, Teresa Dean, uh, divorced him. And oh shit, he was, he was married, married a second. He was married time. a second time. <laughs> but here's the thing: after what after he was convicted, wow. what was she what doing? She, like, oh man, listen, that check this out. So after he was convicted and sentenced, his second wife, Teresa Davis, divorced him, and she married his lawyer. Hmm. So there's a nice yeah, twist. Right. What? Um, that is a, that's an interesting <laughs> twist. See, see that's see that's what happened. Maybe he really was innocent, and the lawyer was just like trying to was tanking yeah, the case yeah. to get to his wife. Yeah. It's like, listen, I I can make this guy go away for a long time <laughs> yeah. if uh, I'm gonna slide over this way. <laughs> Schaefer tried to appeal his conviction, claiming he had been framed, uh, but the appeal was mm. denied. As part of his appeals, Schaefer would frequently say that Susan Place and Georgia Jessup were heroin users, as well as police informants, and they were promiscuous. All these claims were... And hitchhikers, <laughs> for the love of God! 
Well, everything but the hitchhiking were, of course, false. Uh, he would also insult yeah. their parents constantly. So this guy was very, um, uh, what's this, Alex Jonesy, just insulting the victims, insulting the parents, uh, right, so he can right, get his right. appeal. Um, he appealed, he, he filed appeals at least 19 times, all while claiming these things, and all the appeals were denied. Uh, while in prison, people would write letters and ask them to, he would ask them, he would, like, get fan mail, basically, because people are like, they do that These shit. guys always yeah, do. fucking These guys every always time. do. So, they're, pro- they're probably fucking Jan 6 yeah. people, they're probably, you know, QAnon, like, right, this is right, like right, right. The, tra- the track they go so on. So he would, he would uh, write them back and he would ask them to mail him women's undergarments. Um, but he... Hey, thanks for... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, thanks so much for your letter. Uh, do you have some st- stinky panties you could send to me? I got Because spe- that's really all I care I about. I got a special request. If it ain't, if it ain't uh, too much of a P.S. <laughs> um, what a fucking so sick the, fuck this guy the, the jail obviously were caught on to this. They, they busted him asking. He never got the women's art and garments because they read the letters before sending him out, obviously. So he was placed in solitary confinement and was not allowed to correspond with any more of these fans. Uh, Schaefer would also sue anyone and everyone that wrote anything about him. The more I hear about Um, this, dude, the more he sounds like fucking Trump. (laughs) Yeah, they're all very, they're like in the same little Venn diagram. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, it's about the circles. It's the same shit. (laughs) Yeah, it's like, like, yeah, it's just one circle. One of the lawsuits was against uh, writer Patrick Kendrick, who uh, was working on the book about Schaefer, which we use as a main source uh, in this episode. Um, as part of the project, Kendrick wanted to go yeah. uh, to the prison to interview Schaefer in person. And Schaefer wrote back saying that he was okay with this and uh, try to give Kendrick advice on how to be how not to be intimidated when he meets, quote, the deadliest killer ever, who is believed to be worse than Ted Bundy. Oh. Yeah, he, I he, am oh the greatest God, killer ever. This guy. I'm greater than Ted Bundy. He's got nothing yeah. on. He was an absolute <laughs> yeah, yeah. amateur. <laughs> so in response, the writer Kendrick wrote back <laughs> that there was very little reason to be intimidated by Schaefer and went on to describe him as a, quote, middle-aged, pale and doughy wimp who preyed on victims that were physically and psychologically weaker than him. Uh, so Love this. Yeah, he's like, fuck you. Yeah, you're, you're doughy little shithead. So in response to this, Schaefer filed a $500,000 lawsuit against Kendrick. <laughs> um, a perfect um, circle. Schaefer... <laughs> right. Schaefer also sued true crime author uh, Colin Wilson and Michael Newton. And he also sued a former FBI profiler for describing him as a necrophiliac and a cannibal. Um... And as one of the sickest individuals he had ever encountered while working for the FBI. Uh, Schaefer agreed to allow a woman named Sandra London to edit and publish his journals, which would end up being the book Killer Fiction. So Sandra London knew Schaefer from high school. The two had dated very briefly. Uh, So so when she saw on the news of all the shit that went down, she contacted him and offered to help him publish his book. How how do you how do you have it like in your head? Oh, this complete psycho is on the news, and I 
dated him for a brief moment back in high school. Let me reach out and see if he's got anything that he needs published. And let me help him out in whatever way possible. Like, how did she get away? <laughs> like, like, <laughs> like, did he just like not like her? Was she, she not? Yeah, into him? I don't know. Or, or I question. mean, was he not into her? And, and she's a she's an interesting person, and we'll get to her in a minute. But um, ah, <laughs> so, do so tell. While they're working on this book together, um, Schaefer started to fall for her again. Sandra London, and he became. Oh, this is this is gonna get really romantic. He became increasingly wait. obsessed with her. He became Meet cute. <laughs> he became increasingly obsessed with her to the point that he would write her detailed letters about what he felt before ending his victims' lives. Here's an excerpt uh, from one of those letters. You guys ready? Can't wait. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let's go. So this ready. is a personal letter that he wrote to her. <clears throat> the women. The woman by this time is very frightened. This is good. Because I, I get this guy this guy's entire like approach in his writing, I fucking hate it. Like he's like yeah. this guy wearing this is ascot. Good. He's sniff he has yeah. a snifter yes. brandy, like exactly he's got a yeah, snifter. He's like, fuck you, guy. He's like a you're not, dime store you're Hannibal just, Lecter. Yeah, yeah. So totally. Uh, so, anyway. I tell her to strip, but I let her leave her underwear on. I tie her to a branch and gag her. If she's too noisy while I go about the business at hand. I arrange the rope and the noose, and I dress the woman in a white shroud and place a pillowcase over her head. And then, if I like it, sit down and entertain her with a bit of my conversation. <laughs> the wor- Like the worst <laughs> part of the entire ordeal. <laughs> Pretty much. Just fucking kill me already. Shut the fuck up about hitchhiking and just slit my throat. Disembowel me. Do whatever you're doing. Like, just get it over with you. I I just don't want to hear your stupid shit. Um, I give her my ideas of what she will look like while she's hanging there, fighting the rope that is slowly choking the life out of her. Make it as real as possible for her so that she is petrified with fear. Make her know that she's going to die. The noose is arranged so that she will strangle slowly and she sits on a board between two limbs and a long rope leading off into the jungle. When it is time, I will go off into the jungle and pull the rope, and she will hang. Then I will go home to have something to eat. And bright and early the next morning, I will be out hunting, and I will find the body hanging from the tree, and only then will I really notice it. Maybe I'll fondle it. Maybe even have coitus with it. I will notice the expression on the face, the position of the body, explore every nook and cranny of her perhaps mutilate her and delight in the smell of any urine or excrement that she may have passed while hanging there. I leave and then return so that it will be unbelievable what I did. (laughs) Sounds like Trump. It's unbelievable. Um, uh, (laughs) It's unbelievable. I exploded (laughs) nooks and crannies. I will not be able to remember doing it. I had to say nooks and crannies. There's like some like little phrases that are just worse than others. Like throwing that one in there right. when you're talking about exploring a dead body. That's and, and he closes <laughs> this letter by saying, "I will not be able to remember doing any of it." Funny, isn't it? This woman, London, ended their professional relationship when he uh, threatened her to kill her if she ever published the letter and other letters like it. Um, so I guess he wrote. It's this weird letter. with this guy because he's like, "I'm the greatest serial killer ever." Right. Even more than Ted Bundy, but oh, <laughs> don't, please. Don't tell the people I'm, yeah. I, but, but don't, do, don't tell them about what I did. <laughs> right. mm. He's like don't this coy tell. fucking 
fuck yeah, face. He's a douchebag like, of the highest fucking like order. like like, <laughs> po- like he's like very pompous, but also like very coy. Right. And like oh, I, everything about this guy, I really, really hate him. Like so- have some dignity. <laughs> if you're gonna be a shithead. Have some fucking dignity. So you try to say like you wouldn't be friends with him outside of uh, and, outside of murder. Outside of the murder, definitely not. <laughs> And inside of the murder, <laughs> probably not. Also, so but it just, was yeah, probably. Uh, so it was this letter, uh, this threats of not publishing a letter that, where she ended the relationship, and then she went ahead and published the book Killer Fiction um, on her own. And like I said, she he's also in the byline, but she explains, you know, this guy's fucking insane. This book's just about his mental state. So mm-hmm. when he found out she did this, he sued her. Um, a judge threw out the lawsuit, and soon after this, Sandra London would go on to work with infamous Florida serial killer Danny Rowling. Ah! <laughs> um, Danny Rowling wrote his own book called "The Making of a Serial Killer: The Real Story of the Gainesville Murders." Oh man! And then Sandra London got engaged to Danny Rowling. Fuck! Um, oh! Is that the is is she the chick that was with him during like yes. while he was incarcerated? Yeah. Okay. She was All engaged right. to him till to the day he died. That was her. Yeah. Wow. And she wrote several That's... books about several serial killers, mostly about him. Uh, so to answer Siege's question, yeah, <laughs> this this is where she ended up. She ended up yeah. engaged to yeah. a fucking ser- she dated one serial killer and got engaged to another. Can you imagine being the that... serial killer whisperer? Like, yeah it's like yeah and also like you're the serial killer you're like i take advantage of people and then you're like wait a second. she's like hold my beer yeah 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 she's like hold my beer i'm crazier than yeah. you i will i will date all of you yeah. and write books about you and make money <laughs> off of oh it like that's a fucking whole other level that she's operating yeah, on she, if strange. you look at her wikipedia it's really interesting shit is she still I, alive uh, yes, she's like in her seventies. Oh um, I was going to add stuff in here about her, but I was like, it's too long. She's going to be um, on episode two. You gave her your dollar ninety nine for Amazon Kindle version. <laughs> <laughs> so when she got engaged to Danny Rowling, uh, this angered Schaefer to no end. He was really pissed uh, about that. So um, now, while in prison, Schaefer had earned a reputation for being a loudmouth dick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure that's going to end oh, well for him. I'm sure. <laughs> he allegedly bragged to fellow serial killers Ted Bundy and Danny Rowling cuz they they at one point in time all served time in the same prison for a brief moment. So that these three the big three fucking met at, uh, at a at a time and he would talk shit to both of them about how he had more kills than they did. And he he would accuse Ted Bundy of being a copycat. So Schaefer would constantly inform on his fellow inmates. Um, as a result, his cell was mysteriously set on fire twice. <laughs> uh, and it was not uncommon for the, his fellow inmates to throw shit at him from time to time. <laughs> Which, that's, that's classic prison. <laughs> classic prison tactic. Right, just throw shit at a dude. Um, yeah. So, between April and October of 1980... Cuban President Fidel Castro authorized the release of a mass of Cuban immigrants from Cuba's Mariel Harbor to the United States. The boat lift. Yes, most of whom would end up in Florida. And many of these refugees had been released by Castro from Cuban jails 
and mental health facilities. Um, he once famously said that he was flushing the shit out of Cuba into, into the United States. <clears throat> yeah. Um, one of these formerly jailed Cubans of the Mariel boatlift was a man named Vincent Faustino Rivera. Uh-huh. Rivera was a convicted murderer in Cuba, uh, and then he ended up in Tampa. And in 1980, he was arrested for killing two German tourists and then sentenced to life in prison. Um, he, like, uh, I think slashed their throats and, and suffocated them. It was, like, real heinous shit. Um, so he was, he was sentenced to life in prison for that. And then he was sent to the same prison where Schaefer was serving his time. On December 3rd, 1995, the inmates were allowed some rec time. Uh, Schaefer decided to stay in his cell rather than participate. During rec times, the cell doors were, uh, were often left open. While everyone else was outside during rec time, Rivera walked up to Schaefer's cell. Then, without warning or provocation, Rivera bull-rushed into the open cell and he pinned Schaefer up against the wall. Then, with a makeshift blade, Rivera stabbed Schaefer 47 times. He gouged, <laughs> he gouged Schaefer's eyes out, and he slashed him in the face, neck, and head another 45 times before slitting his throat. I gotta say, as a kid, <laughs> I, I've not been proud this entire podcast episode, and I feel I feel pretty proud right now. Oh like, uh, yeah, I mean Rivera's yeah. probably very horrible <laughs> too, but hey, you know whatever. Uh, so yes, he he slashed yeah. him. He slashed he a little bit. Stabbed him forty seven times. Slashed his face, neck, and head an additional forty five times. He gouged out his eyes and slit his throat. And then Rivera went outside and he threw Schaefer's eyeballs into the wreck area. Just like, <laughs> like a fucking mic drop. Just uh. man, pr- prison is just some other shit going on there. It's just yeah, a it's whole a whole other, other level, level of what? happening. Prison was crazy. <laughs> and I imagine these guys are like playing basketball. Like there's fucking eyeballs yeah. on the ground. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so our boy Gerald Schaefer died right there in his tiny cell in a pool of his own blood. He was 49 years old. Um, God damn. Rivera confessed to the murder, but he never revealed his motive. Uh, cops think it was just... That's that's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> like in... Yeah, he, uh, I mean, Schaefer had a reputation of, of rat. like I said, he was ratting out these guys all the time if they did little things. Right. He had a big mouth motherfucker. Right. So that was so possibly... He had it coming. He pissed off Rivera, and that's that was... Like, and he pissed him off pretty bad, because that was like pretty... He could have... That was overkill. Yeah. He could have just st- slit yeah. his throat and walked away. He, like, yeah. fucked it Could have just been, like, a couple shakes. <laughs> Listen, if, if, he, if he was talking all... The eyeballs. <laughs> yeah. Prison rules. You go in there and you hit the biggest guy. Hey, this is the baddest murderer in the place. And you I'm stab the best, him in the very face. very best there ever was. You take out his yeah. eyeballs. <laughs> um, so upon, eyeballs definitely was great. Upon hearing the news of his gruesome death, the judge who had presided over a sheriff's murder trial said, quote, he's finally gotten the death sentence he ultimately deserved but couldn't be given. Um, Georgia Jessup's mother, Shirley, told reporters, quote, I'd like to send a present to the guy who killed him. I've always believed <laughs> he was, he was going to get this. I just wish I just wish it would have happened sooner. Through the last 48 years, authorities have been finding the remains of victims murdered by Schaefer scattered around Florida. In total, over 35 murders have been linked to Gerald Schaefer. 
Gerard Schaefer. Uh, by contrast, Danny Rowling murdered five people, while Ted Bundy murdered 30. So this guy is, does have more kills than those two guys. All right. Um, Man. As recently as May of this year, the remains of 15-year-old Suzanne Gale Poole, who was reported missing around Christmas of 1972, uh, her remains were positively identified through DNA testing just this past May. Um, authorities believe Poole was abducted and killed by Schaefer one day after he was released on bond for Nancy and Trotter Wells' abductions. Um, wow. That is the story of the hangman, our guy, uh, wow. Gerard Schaefer. I still, yeah. can't, I still can't get over the fact that Broward County Sheriff's Office said, no, you don't pass our psychological exam. But yet he literally walked. He walked went like six miles down the road and got a got a job as a cop. When two cat when got when he got fired from there, went two counties north, got another job as a sheriff's deputy. I mean, it's yeah. like and it's and what's nuts is it's the same shit today. It's like the like anything that happens in one place doesn't like doesn't travel with you to another. You can get fired from one place and just go get a, another job in another precinct. It's. Yeah, and you think of the benefit of the doubt that a, a white dude gets. Here's a guy hanging dudes off bridges and and kidnapping young girls and tying them to trees, and he's allowed to walk free. Like uh, literally yeah, not passing a psychological test for the very first job yeah. he tries to get. Yeah. <laughs> red flag from the go. Yeah. Yeah. And he gets fired after mm. abducting those two girls, Ugh. and it's just fired. It's fired. It wasn't like, yeah. it wasn't like, okay, uh, we have a fucking maniac on our hands here. Right, right. Let's charge him. It's just like, uh, yeah, you just can't be a cop anymore. That's all. yeah. Ugh. I mean, he, he literally told yeah, them, "I'm, I'm gonna go. I'm, when I come back, I'm gonna kill you." Like he told the girls this, and the girls yeah, told the yeah. cops this, and nothing. And and even when he did get arrested for that. It was six months in jail, and then another six months to hang out before he turned himself in. Um, and yeah, that was like we said that that was where he, the crux of his killings happened. He put up some fucking serious, like he's the Steph Curry of serial killers. He's putting up some Dude. crazy fucking. So uh, yeah. this, the sources for this whole thing is uh, American Ripper: The Enigma of America's Serial Killer Cop by Patrick Kendrick. Uh, the Cop Killer by Catherine Cole and Cynthia Young. Hangman, Life and Crimes of Serial Killer and Police Officer Gerard Schaefer by Michael Newton. And uh, a couple of other clippings from the Sun Sentinel, Fort Lauderdale News, Palm Beach Post, and the Tampa Bay Times. Just want to make sure I get the sources yeah, out there. sources out. Yeah. So, very nice. Very nice. There you go. Man, uh, honestly, like, no idea about this guy. Zero. Like he's not yeah. really publicized. Yeah. Which would really anger him, which pleases me. <laughs> the Florida Man Murders is a five reason sports production. Researched, written, and produced by Chris Joseph. Music by Roger Rimada. All source material can be found by visiting FloridaManMurders.com. Thank you for listening. And remember, kids, only assholes murder. So, don't be an asshole.